3: Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, where spirituality and recovery meet, with Reverend Anna Schaus, PhD, from Soul Matters Ministry in Olympia, Washington. Now, here's your host, Reverend Anna Schaus.
1: Welcome to the Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, where we support your spiritual growth in recovery. My name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your host. And I want to thank you all for listening with us today. I'm very glad that you have joined us here on the Spirit of Recovery. Again, we've got a great program for you today. And I love hearing from you. Thank you for your messages on Facebook. Thank you for emailing me. And thank you for participating here as a listener and for letting me know how your spirituality walk is going, how your recovery walk is going. It's great to hear from you. And uh, every week we bring great guests, they bring down to earth topics. And they are people who are either in recovery themselves who uh, work with or write for or teach or share with recovering people about spirituality and sometimes all of the above. And we're always bringing new topics here that get you thinking, that inspire you, that bring you into some new understandings, hopefully into some new depth and some feelings, real feelings of connection um, uh, with your recovery and your spirituality. I love uh, broadcasting on the topic of recovery and spirituality here on Unity Online Radio or Unity.fm. They both get you the same place. And uh, it's just a great privilege and a great joy to do that. Know that you can find us on Facebook. You can like us, Spirit of Recovery, on Facebook. And we uh, please do like us. That's great. Um, to have that and to post on there, and also know that you can listen to the Spirit of Recovery, of course, live here on UnityOnlineRadio dot org. You can also listen to the archives twenty four seven. Those are again on UnityOnlineRadio dot org backslash program backslash Spirit of Recovery. You can, of course, also listen to us on your smartphone. So there are lots of ways that you can access us here at The Spirit of Recovery. I want you to know that The Spirit of Recovery is indeed a welcoming place. So if you're a person that's in recovery from any kind of an addiction, or if you're the family member or friend of somebody that's in recovery or that has the disease of addiction, or maybe you're also in recovery as a family member or friend, Or not. That's okay. Whoever you are, or if you're just curious, interested about the process of recovery, we welcome you here to listen and to be a part of our discussions. We're very glad that you're here, and uh, we like to share these ideas. Again, my name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your Spirit of Recovery host. I'm a unity minister and an addictions counselor. I'm also a person who has in my own circle of love and friendship many people with the disease of addiction. And 32 years ago this month, um, those relationships propelled me into my own uh, spiritual growth. And I'm so grateful for that uh, because I needed to do some growing and I still do and I still am. So it's a real joy um, and a privilege to have been led into these principles of both unity and the recovery principles. And those keep transforming my life. So I'm very grateful, very delighted to have the opportunity to share these ideas with you. And thank you also for sharing about the spirit of recovery with the people in your recovery community, with the people in your spiritual community and your unity community, and for letting them know about the great guests and the great topics that we have here and what's available to them. So today our topic is No Shame on You. And uh, we're going to be talking about the concept of shame, what it is, what's toxic shame, and we're going to be talking about the idea that you know you really don't have to live your life uh, ruled by that toxic shame. That we can move beyond it, and that is a real important part of our spirituality and important part of recovery. My guest today, who's going to be sharing with us about this topic of no shame on you, is Brent Uzel. And Brent is a licensed Unity teacher. He's also a spiritual leader. He's a person who uh, is very active in creating bridges across faith differences and cultural differences. He's got an extensive background um, in the corporate world as a senior program manager and uh, has done a lot with program development and startups. And uh, he brought that experience to bear into ministry and into service um, in the spiritual realm. And so he's he's done a lot of things to build bridges in community. He has uh, started uh, a summer camp for children. He has created a public forum and lecture series on religion, culture, and society. And uh, he has uh, creating amazing created amazing faiths dinner dialogues and has supported uh, efforts to reclaim an, a historic African American cemetery uh, to reclaim it from forestation and vandalism and he has supported efforts to uh, relocate people who were fleeing from uh, the violence and the distress in Myanmar so Thank you, Brent, for bringing uh, what you know today about so many things and, and building bridges across cultures, and a lot of that does have, in a kind of an odd way, which we may or may not get to today, it has that, that has a lot to do with releasing shame, because a lot of times we get scared and feel afraid and ashamed when we try to cross uh, differences, and so uh, in an interesting way, that really does all tie in. So thank you for being with us today, and uh, I'm glad that you're here on Spirit of Recovery.
4: Well, it's my great pleasure, Anna. Thank you very much for having me, and welcome, everyone. Hello. Hello.
1: Okay, so tell us a little bit about what shame is, and I know today you're going to share with us uh, a lot of good ideas about it. So what is it?
4: Yeah, um, my source for this, none of this is original to me, so let me just uh, give the folks some idea of where the concepts and ideas and practices will come from. Um, it starts, of course, with John Bradshaw and the work that he did on family and toxic shame. Uh, I draw from attachment theory and a little bit from uh, family systems theory. But shame is actively being researched as uh, an emotional universal reality by Brene Brown, who's a Ph.D. at the School of Social Work at the University of Houston and a professional researcher. Um, Brene Brown's got a... a some great resources that deal with shame. But Brene's research, scientific research, uh, peer-reviewed, found that that shame is a true human, universal, emotional response to our environment. It crosses all cultural boundaries, all ages, all genders. It is out there. It is the way human beings internalize messages we receive from our environment um on what's proper behavior and what's not. Um, it, it, shame is an intensely painful feeling or experience that we're flawed and unworthy, that, that something is wrong with us. It, it's really important when talking about shame that we get clear on the definition and we're able to distinguish shame from guilt and humiliation and embarrassment. Okay. The, the, the sense of guilt is... Uh, kind of gets a bad rap in our in our culture sometimes but but guilt is really an adaptive skill set guilt says wow i really didn't do that according to my standards i should have or wish i could have done that differently and, and so i'm going to be more mindful and and i'm going to look to change that behavior and of course uh a spiritually mature when we're able to get to that place of, of some level of perspective and maturity, we also seek to rebuild bridges that our actions may have damaged. So we, we look to clean up our spilled milk, so to speak. So reestablish connection with people. So, So guilt can be adaptive. Guilt is related to a specific instance and kind of the internal dialogue of guilt is, I made a mistake or I didn't do that as well as I wish I had or you know, why did I respond that way? It would have been much better had I done it this way. And guilt incentivizes us then to do it differently and to reach out and say, you know, I'm sorry. I I really – I'm not proud of myself for the way I responded there. So that's guilt. That's not what we're talking about when we talk about shame. Humiliation – I, it, the best way to distinguish humiliation from shame is when you're, when you're humiliated, there's a, an immediate sense of injustice around that. Humiliation humiliation's really a violation of our boundaries.
2: Uh,
4: in in a, a moment of humiliation, we're likely to protest. Um, the most common protest it will be, that's unfair. <laughs> you know, if you knew my whole story or you understood the circumstances, there's this sense of it being overly harsh and unfair, and so that's humiliation. And, and humiliation is a response to a boundary violation. Embarrassment can sometimes feel like shame, and in embarrassment, we like we do in shame, we feel very alone. But embarrassment is fleeting and often funny. If you walk out of the restroom with toilet paper on your shoe and someone calls it to your attention or you notice it after the fact, you're going to have a fleeting moment of embarrassment. But within 24 hours, it's going to be a funny story you share with your friends. Um, So that's embarrassment. Embarrassment is fleeting. Uh, We often trivialize it. It becomes the, the... the source of humor, stories, and jokes as we move forward through life, and it kind of makes us all human. Embarrassment is one of those things that reaffirms our humanity with one another. Uh, but, but shame is different. Shame is not that, not like guilt that says, gee, I wish I would had done that better. Um, but that was a bad thing to say. Shame says, I'm bad. Shane believes that there is something deeply, fundamentally flawed about me. If you really if you knew who I really was at my core, you wouldn't like me. Uh, there's something wrong with me. And we get these messages all the time from our culture that this isn't about, you know, what your mama done. This is, we get it from society, we get it from advertising, uh, we get it from, uh, we we pick it up in the play yard. we get it from school, we, we, we get it from our employers, we, we internalize these messages that who we are just isn't enough. Um, we define shame or people experience shame as rejection, uh, failure, they feel like they've been exposed, your mask is pulled off, you feel like. You know, all of a sudden, you feel very raw and vulnerable. Uh, you feel like an outsider in the group. You feel like your flaws have been revealed. People know, people have seen a side of you that you don't want them to see. And those are all that sense of defective uh, that comes with uh, this internalization of shame. Mm-hmm. Men and women both experience shame. And both experience shame in the same way, the fancy therapeutic term for the difference between the two. And, and, and research has found a very different way it's constant. Male- that means it shame forms around different images for women than it does men uh for women it's kind of a nested emotional reality we have this image in our culture of the perfect mom the career executive the you, you know you're you're bringing home the bacon frying it up in the pan taking care of your man and taking care of your kids all at once and there's all of these multiple layers of expectation and then you have to be this beautiful ravaging woman right that's uh that's appealing and attractive and if you don't fit this body body image and something is wrong with you. So there are all these different messages that we pick up that women pick up from different sources within the, the culture and, and it's all of those areas that Kind of constellate feelings of shame within women, men. There are fewer areas with men. Basically, it boils down to the sense of being a failure. And it can show up in relationship, or money, or career. And, but but men, principally, it's being weak in public in our society, and it's being a failure. And those two things are the the pivot points for shame in men. Um, but, good thing about, you know, shame shows up for us around appearance and body image, money and work, parenthood, about our family. Uh, we can experience shame over challenges our family has faced or is facing, members of our family have faced or are facing. Um, also over our own uh, mental and physical health issues, we can experience shame over our own trials with addiction. Uh, sex and aging, all of these areas of just normal human life are are prime areas for us to have a shame experience. Mm -hmm. What the research also reveals is that we have particular shame triggers, particular areas of vulnerability that are tied to our internalized view of ourselves. We have these shame identities. Um we believe that we're stupid or we believe we're physically unattractive or we believe that we're incompetent in some skill. And when something happens in our everyday environment that touches on one of those uh, deep shame vulnerabilities, then we're triggered and shame comes up for us. And we you physically feel shame. You feel it in the body. We have a visceral response to shame. And not everybody feels shame exactly the same way, but everybody will have a physiological response to it. And our response to that shaming is a variation of the old fight, flight, or freeze. Uh, we're either going to approach, we're going to avoid, or we're going to defend. So what that looks like is I think I'm stupid. And so you challenge me on a, a matter of fact, uh, and I, I and it's brought up this, you know, I, I'm not very smart. Shame, vulnerability within me. So I'm going to respond with the shame screen. I'm going to have a default way of responding to those kinds of challenges to to my sense of safety. Um if my principal response is the approach response, I'm going to be very invested in convincing you that I'm smart. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. I'm going to really be heavily invested in changing how you see me. I'm afraid that you've seen my vulnerability, you've seen my self-identity that I don't think I'm smart, and now I'm hyper-invested in getting you to change your mind. Um, Conversely... My default shame response may be a mile away, and I will cross the street and pretend I don't know you rather than engage you again. Um, The other response, the fight response, is. You know, now I've got to pick you apart. I've got to find those chinks in your armor, and I have to retaliate. I have to argue with you that you're wrong on this point. I have to throw up all sorts of red herrings. It's a throwdown. There's going to be an argument. One of us is going to win, and one of us is going to lose, and I cannot lose. My very survival depends on it. So we get in very intense emotional confrontations so those are our responses to our shame identities being triggered
1: mm-hmm. so it sounds like if uh i guess in a way it sounds like in a like what you're saying is that inside of us all of us have that maybe sense of vulnerability and that concern that we're not enough and that different things can trigger that and woe to the person i guess that Happens to step on that landmine. Is that sort of what you're saying? And triggers it for us that we're either going to run away from them or get them? Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. So it sounds potent. Like it's, as you said, it's real survival. Like that feeling of I can't lose because if I lose, then, then what? It means I don't exist or what's the, what's the, what's the internal experience of if I quote, if I lose and I, and my shame is triggered.
4: What shame really what that voice of shame inside us really tells us is that we don't belong that uh-huh. we're unloved and unlovable, and that if people really knew who we were, they would abandon us, we would be all alone and it is that fear of being ostracized, that fear of being alone, that cut level sense of I am unlovable and unlovable, that something is wrong with me, and we run from that feeling and anybody that triggers that feeling within us it is a survival level no i need the group i need to be accepted i need to, be, to belong uh, all right that, we're going to have purpose. to take a
1: break so hold that thought and when we come back we'll talk about that and uh what we can do to uh shift our experience of that uh, feeling of being alone so stay with us we're going to take a break and we'll be right back with the spirit of recovery and talking about no shame on you
0: All on the journey together, making sense of this life, finding our spirituality, growing and evolving. As we travel through this world, Unity Magazine is your resource for gaining a deeper understanding of life. Unity Magazine is on the forefront of spiritual discovery, with articles and features from leading authors, teachers, and philosophers. Stimulate your thinking and strengthen your spirituality with Unity Magazine. Sample a free trial issue or subscribe today at unitymagazine.org. Are you tired of life slamming the door in your face? Did you get another rejection letter, pink slip, foreclosure notice, or go on yet another bad date? Does it seem like the older you get, the more hopeless life seems? Are you ready to stop taking no as your final answer? Then join us for Design Your Life, a talk show by Kevin Cottrell Ross, the coach's coach. Go into the locker room for one full hour with the championship coach every week and start designing your winning playbook that will make the rest of your life the best of your life. That's Design Your Life with Kevin Cottrell Ross, the coach's coach, Wednesdays at 4 p.m. Central Time, On Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.
3: Thanks for listening to Spirit of Recovery with Rev. Anna Schaus and her guest. If you have a question or comment or experience with today's topic that you'd like to share... Call us now at 888-55-UNITY. That's 888-558-6489. Call now or email us at Recovery at unityonlineradio.org. Now, back to the program.
1: Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. I'm very glad that you're listening with us today. And if you're just joining us, our topic is No Shame on You. And we're talking about the concept of toxic shame, about what it is, and about how we can uh, shift our perception and shift our understanding of ourselves so we don't let that shame rule our lives or ruin our recovery. And so, uh, my guest today is Brent Uzel. Brent is a licensed Unity teacher. He's a spiritual leader. He is very uh engaged in teaching these uh, concepts of shame, and he uh, does that with the people that he serves in his congregations. And it's real help in uh, helping people to grow spiritually. Brent is also someone who has a very successful background in corporate senior program management and development, and he has taken those skills to do a lot of things in the community to build bridges across cultures and across faith. So I'm very glad to have Brent with me today as my guest talking about No Shame on You. And before Brent and I get back to our discussion, I invite you to join me in the Serenity Minute, which is a moment to simply relax, to take a breath. We'll listen to some beautiful music. I'll invite you to share this constructive idea with me, and we'll take a moment to relax and be in the quiet and open up to that conscious contact with your higher power. So, share with me this constructive idea. I neither inflate myself nor hide myself, for I am wholly good. I stand safely with my higher power, grounded in my sense of self. I neither inflate myself nor hide myself, for I am wholly good. I stand safely hand in hand with my higher power, grounded in my sense of self. And now we take a moment in the quiet. Thank you, friends, for joining me in this Serenity Minute, and I trust that it was an opportunity for you to make a connection with your higher power and to know truly that you are fully and wholly a good person. And so now I am back to my conversation with my guest, Brent Uzel, talking about no shame on you. So in our first uh, segment here, Brent, you were telling us what shame is and talking to us about some of the ways that it gets triggered. So uh, now I know it. one thing you said that was really interesting to me was how I never thought about this, how in a way guilt and embarrassment connect us to people uh, because they're common experiences and because there are ways that if we kind of goof up and break a connection, we need to repair it. That's what guilt serves that function. Embarrassment makes us human. But shame really does separate us makes us scared to death we're going to get kicked out of the group so tell us some more about that how we can um know that we're in shame how do you know you're in it sometimes i think we're just like a fish in water we're swimming in and we don't know it
4: Yeah, and that's very easy to do and we begin we need to to begin some self-awareness oh, one thing You really do if you can, you know, in those moments of clarity when we're able to be honest with ourselves, we know when we're triggered by shame. Number one, you're going to feel it physically. Number two, it's going to be a real survival challenge to you. I mean, it's going to be an intense feeling. But number number three, you know that it's just you know it's not embarrassment, and you you know that it's it's really deep and really powerful, and there's this urgent sense to do something about it. It shame requires a response, and if you've ever had one of those experiences where. You, you get in a conflict with someone, and 30 minutes afterwards, you don't even remember what you said or what you did. Or somebody tells you, I can't believe that you said that or you did that. You, you really, you know, are hazy about even remembering it. Chances are that was a shame attack. You were in an emotional hijack. You weren't aware. Um, our our short-term memory goes out the window when we're in those moments of of emotional hijack. Um When you go to the nuclear option, when you retaliate over and above what the person said or did might call for. So someone says something insensitive to you or hurtful to you or you perceive it to be so, and you say you retaliate just way – over the line for what was called for in that moment you bring up the worst thing this person's ever done or try to humiliate them or embarrass them in public that's an indication that you were responding from this place of deep threat that shame and and let's remember again shame is a human universal we all feel it we all go there we all have these moments Basically, saying is, I, I I have this way that I want to be perceived by the world. I have this ideal identity. We all want to be liked, right? We all want to be con- see, be seen as competent, capable adults. I want to be a good parent. I want to be a successful business person. I want to be a contributor to my community. I want to be respected for. The obstacles I've overcome, the struggles in my life, and the emotional and spiritual, intellectual gifts that I've manifested through the course of my life—I I, I want those things, and I want those things validated by my community. And those are my ideal identities. But underneath those are the unwarranted identities. There, there are these feeling realities about who I am where I feel like, you know, I'm kind of a fraud at the same time. There are all these areas where I really don't measure up, that something is wrong with me, and it's getting clear about those unwanted identities that are the beginning of the healing process. When we get triggered by something really deeply, really emotionally, it's what did that bring up for me? What self-perception was being triggered in me? So you can take a particular category of life like career or money or body appearance or you know, take any of these areas and, and write down what's my ideal identity, how do I want people to see me in that regard, and then write down what am I afraid that people see when they look at me. Mm-hmm. And that's your unwanted identity. That's where your shame triggers are going to be. Mm -hmm. And then you dig into those and what do these perceptions mean, where did they come from, where do I get these messages that that's, in a sense, who I am. And, And once we know, once we know our vulnerabilities, then we're able to make choices about what to do with them. Abilities. and we recognize when we get in those moments where we we feel challenged and we feel threatened and, and our our shame is really up for us, then we can say, "Oh, I know what's being triggered here and we can develop a ser- you know the the skills of self talk and self empathy to move it move us through it it's tempting to think of shame as just a great big bad ugly demon here that's just kind of the curse of human life that has nothing valuable to offer us but really shame comes with a huge gift Uh, shame really wants us to dig deeply into the human experience and understand it and understand ourselves so that we can learn to understand other people and the core of healing shame is empathy. Once we're able to identify it within ourselves and for ourselves, we're able to see it in others. And so, we don't respond to other people's bad day with an emotional response. We we respond with an em- empathic response. We're able to to empathize with what the other person is feeling and experiencing, and we're able to stay present with them through those experiences. So. Shame disconnects us from other people. Shame instantly makes us feel alone, vulnerable, and ostracized. But beginning to heal that shame through the practice of empathy automatically reestablishes connections with other people. It connects us more deeply to our authentic self and allows us to see the authentic self in another. And doing the shame work actually bears huge gifts huge kiss we've got to start by normalizing it we've got to start with the recognition that we all go there we all experience it, it, it don't be ashamed of your shame <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: it's just not, get, it's that's not a good. Mm-hmm. well you know when you're uh, a lot of times people in recovery and you did mention this earlier have a lot of shame about the fact of the disease of addiction whether they're the person with the addiction or their family member or friend of somebody that's got it. Um, so what's a, in particular with people in recovery, what are, what are some of the ways that uh, they can deal with shame?
4: Okay. So we, we take our, we do our little personal inventory here now talking to the recovery community. So let's do some inventory work. So, what – how, uh, around your your recovery processes and, and in and outside your recovery family, let's do two different lists, in your recovery family, how is it you want to be seen? What do you want people to know about you? How do you want them to perceive you? What's your ideal self in the recovery community? And what's your ideal self to the community outside of people in recovery? And now let's do the flip side of that. Let's let's do some inventory work around what is it that we're afraid people will see about us in recovery. Uh, what's the unwanted identity? Do we feel like we've not done some of the work as honestly as we could? Are there areas where we do the work and some areas where we know we don't? What is it that we would be most afraid of other people knowing? in the recovery community and outside the recovery community. And when we do that work, there you've got your shame triggers around the issue of recovery for you. When you look at those unwanted identities, the unwanted identities within the recovery community and then within those outside of recovery, in the you know, the earthlings, the general public, Then those are the areas uh, that, when triggered, are going to create a shame response to you. Basically, the shame response, remember, gets triggered when we feel like somebody has unmasked us. We believe that they know what we feel, that if they knew, they wouldn't love us. Uh So. When we do that work, and then it's making peace with it. Where do these messages come from? Why is it necessary for me to hold on to these identities? Do some perspective taking. What would really happen if that became known about me? Now the next part in healing the shame is courage, because here's what you've got to do you got to find somebody that'll walk you walk with you through this process you got to find the courage to reach out to someone and say you know what here's what i've discovered about me you know i i really yeah I, You know, I said I did the ninth step with that ex-relationship, but, you know, I really never did. I just said I did, and I'm carrying this, and I've developed this shame around this. And so now, you know, I I act like big guru in meetings, and yet here I am, and I know that there was this one area of my life that I just refused to deal with. And so now what I need you to do is know that about me, and and I need to hear from you that you understand that and that you love me anyway. and I need you to encourage me to go clean this up. So we turn shame into the adaptive emotional reality of guilt. We feel compelled to be authentic. We need to handle this for ourselves. There are constructive steps we can take to repair this, and so we do it. So we can restore to ourselves that that sense of authenticity, and we don't have to hide Shame is essentially that little part of us that wants to stay in the dark and it wants to stay hidden. The only way to heal shame is to talk about it, and the way out of it is empathy and connection with other people. And it takes a tremendous amount of courage. Um, but my experience of the recovery community is that you know courage, uh, it, it, courage is usually in pretty thick supply. So uh, good news for us, I think.
1: Yeah, that's good. So I can see that, it, as you say, as you deal with the shame and bring yourself out of hiding, really what happens is you get stronger. You you feel more connected to other people, and and really, I'm assuming really feel better about yourself because you don't you don't feel like there's this little boiling pot of ick in there that's not okay about you. You start to see you are all right. It's nothing wrong with you. Yeah.
4: And we return to our authentic power. Uh, What shame really does, in a strange sort of way, is it robs us of our power. Uh, Shame has us continually projecting a false self to the world, not an authentic self. Shame really wants us to project our false identities. Shame wants us to hide behind who we want to be rather than who we are. Uh, Because, again, shame is that unconscious little whispering in our ear, who I am is not enough. Mm-hmm. and it, it is so liberating and freeing once you really wrap your head around the fact that everybody has that everybody has it it is a human universal there, there's no one on the planet that doesn't have that feeling about some aspect of their life could be a business failure that they've experienced maybe it was an academic failure maybe they failed second grade Maybe a teacher shamed them in school. Um, You know, it could be any number of things at any point in their life that will form one of these shame identities for them. None of us get through life without it. The call of spirit through these moments is to dig in there and ask, is that really true? To reconnect with that authentic self that we are. To, To find the courage to admit, I had this experience take the emotional weight off of it. That experience doesn't mean that I'm flawed and defective and bad and broken. That experience means I'm fully human. And And being fully human, I can step into my full divinity.
1: That's right. And sometimes uh, people are ashamed because of things that were done to them, that they were victimized in some way, and they'll carry uh, the shame because the... The perpetrator never took responsibility, and people will carry, unfortunately, a lot of shame for something that was done to them. It takes a lot to be able to work through that part. It's time for our uh, break, but we'll be right back. Stay with us, listeners. And my guest is Brent Uzel. We're talking about No Shame on You, and he's given us some great ideas for how to not let shame run our life, but allow ourselves to uh, use it for good. We'll be right back on Spirit of Recovery.
0: If I were brave, I'd walk the Where fools and
4: dreamers
1: stand a And never lose faith
2: How is life working for you? Would it be okay with you if life got easier, simpler, yet more meaningful and vibrant? Join certified life coach Carla McClellan Tuesday afternoons for Vibrant Living. Each week, Coach Carla and her guests we'll share strategies and solutions designed to make your life more vibrant. Is there something in your life you'd like help with? A dream you'd like to achieve? A relationship you'd like to improve? Call into the show toll-free for Coaching with Carla. That's Vibrant Living, Life Coaching with Carla, Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Central on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.
0: To do what we secretly dream
3: you're listening to spirit of recovery the place where spirituality and recovery meet with your host reverend anna Schaus, phd and now here's anna
1: Welcome back to the Spirit of Recovery. I'm very glad that you're listening with us today, and uh, glad that you're spreading the word about Spirit of Recovery. If you're just joining us, our topic today is "No Shame on You," and my guest is Brent Uzel. Brent is a licensed Unity teacher and a spiritual leader, and he is a person who uh, actively uh, has taught these ideas about reducing shame, and also he's a person that's very active in creating bridges in the community across faith and cultural differences. So, Brett, Before uh, the break, we were talking about um, releasing that shame, and I brought up the idea of some people carry shame for things that were done to them. They've been victimized. And um, tell us a little more about that. How can you deal with shame like that? You know, something happened to you, uh, but you feel ashamed of it, even though you you know wasn't your fault. So, how can you? Uh, how can people let go of that kind of shame?
4: Well. Uh, the great cure-all for shame, once we are able to identify it, once we know our personal triggers and begin to recognize when we're there, the 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 way out of shame is always the same, and that's finding the courage to talk about it. So shame shows up as fear, blame, and disconnection, and shame I want to hide, I want to make it all about you. Um, I, I want to change your perspective of me. I stay in denial and and stay in the false self. Uh, the response to that then is, is an empathic response, empathy for myself and for the other, and developing empathy for the other person, which requires courage, compassion, and connection. I have to reach out. Uh, the only way to to, to heal shame about. Uh, well, I, I can get very personal in my own issues in dealing with child abuse. Um, it was owning the fact that what happened to me was abusive; that it wasn't because of who I was. That that it was unjust. That it, it that it was you know something projected on me not coming from what I deserved and being able to talk about it with other people, being able to say, here's what happened to me and being able to connect with people in a very human way around that. That's what recovery communities really are. Recovery communities are about those lifeboat communities that give us the space to be able to talk clearly around these issues. When you start dealing with shame issues, you see it everywhere in public. You know, it, you find these, um, you know, these congressmen who are the most vociferate people ag- ag- against homosexuality, and then they get busted at an airport. You know, that's that's a shame defense. They can't accept who they are, so they react. In, in and in a really harsh, over-the-top way to that identity. Um, we get free of that by owning it and talking about it and being able to share it. And you can't share it. You don't want to buy a billboard on the busiest highway in town saying, I was sexually abused as a child, and put your name and address up there. That's not what we do. That's no boundaries. Uh, we want to find a way to do this in a healthy, healthy helpful nurturing environment where proper boundaries are are honored and respected where people aren't challenged by it don't ameliorate it and brush over it or say oh that's okay honey you'll be fine we'll just pull yourself up by your bootstraps we want to do it with our uh, our supportive community that will really hold that sacred space for us to heal there's a sacred gift in all of this just like if you've been in recovery a while i'm sure you're beginning to see the promises in your own life and you know that that God takes the shit and makes shine all. I mean, he, all things work together for good. It is our weakness um, that contains our our gifts and show us our strengths. It, it, it's our wounds that heal. Um, it's not those areas that come naturally to me and I'm a superstar at it the first time I try that contain my gift to the world. It's it's those areas of. of Deep pain and struggle and growth—that that's where my gift lies. I don't know why the system is set up that way, but it is. And, and yeah. our shame is just the same.
1: Mm-hmm. And yeah, as you are saying, that's really where the spirituality lies, which which sometimes is a stretch for us to really understand that spirituality. So long ago, somebody told me spirituality is not about getting good; it's about getting real. So. Tell us some more about spirituality and, and dealing with shame.
4: Well, shame is really, I believe, and this is just from me, and take it with a grain of salt. If it works for you, fine. If it doesn't, you know, drop it, but I believe shame is our soul whispering to us that there's a part of our consciousness we've not paid attention to and we need to look at. It's got a message in there for us. There's a way that we're denying our authenticity. There's this huge area in our life where we could meaningful, in a healing way, connect to other people around these issues, and we refuse to do that because we're afraid. Shame is this way of our soul trying to get our attention to, hey, reclaim this aspect of your soul identity. Reclaim this part of who you are. Reclaim this part of the human experience. Understand that it's a universal human experience and let it be the bridge to empathically connect to the hurting world around you.
1: Mm-hmm. So when when people do work on that shame and begin to, uh, as you said, use it as a connector and empowerment, not as something to hold it back, what's changed in their lives? I don't know, maybe you'd talk about yourself or other people you've worked with because I know you teach these topics to the people that you serve. How are their lives different?
4: Well, uh, I, I think everybody that begins to work on these issues experiences a great deal of freedom and live more authentically. Uh, it's amazing how much energy we put into projecting a false sense of identity out into the world. And probably the greatest relief is just having that false identity gone. It's not having to invest in convincing people that I am this false self. And so it's tremendously freeing. But the next amazing thing, and, and this is going to be something that sounds very familiar to people in recovery, and that is that, that instant ability to be in recognition with another human being. You'll see somebody acting out, and you'll know instantly. You'll see, I know what that is. I've been there, done that. I recognize those symptoms. And there's this immediate sense of real compassion for what that other person is feeling. And where everybody else might get angry or resentful or flee from them or break connection with them, uh, the empathic response is to reach out and embrace them and, and to see it for what it is without losing sight of the person. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. So it, it really does free people up to be uh, more alive, really. It sounds like more participating in their lives than, um, than just reacting all the time or hiding or uh, getting into problems with each other.
4: And the most amazing thing is we become self safe people to be around uh-huh.
1: uh-huh
4: we become very safe and being very safe, we attract lots of people um and and we we really do uh form ever deeper bonds with the people uh, with whom we're in relationship, whether it's you know spouses, significant others, family, just relationships begin to really start to heal left and right. It's an amazing thing, just by dropping the projections.
1: Yeah, it's it's almost like you to to truly be emotionally and spiritually close to somebody, you, you'd almost have to do this, because otherwise there's too much of a wall. It's not reality. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What are some resources that people can uh, look up online or things that they could turn to if they want to explore this more deeply or do this kind of work, Grant, what can they? Where can they go?
4: Well, um, I would really recommend people start with Brené Brown. That's B-R-E-N-E Brown. She's if you a quick Google search, you should find her, and she has a um, a course she offers through Hazelden on Amazon. Uh, called I thought it was just me, and I highly recommend that that book to anyone that would like to know more on this topic.
1: Okay, great. So that'd be a great place for people to get started and um, see if they, you know, see what they might uh, discover about it. So that's Brene Brown, and uh, you Brene can Google Brand. her, yeah, and find lots of And of, of course,
4: I, I also recommend John Bradshaw, and there's always uh, Bradshaw's classic, "Healing the Shame That Binds You."
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep, that kind of kicked it off in a way back quite a while ago now, but um, I know that, yep, that Brene Brown's Brownstone is, is really groundbreaking. So tell us a little bit more. We have just a, a few minutes here left about how spirituality can help us. How can our relationship with our higher power help us in doing this work?
4: What stands between a full relationship the divine self within however you language that for yourself and other people is a sense that who i am is not enough that in some way i'm flawed and defective when we get that out of the way we're able to authentically connect to who and what we really are and who and what other people are we're able to be authentic and safe in the world in ways that we never, ever imagined before. Uh, we wake up to all the different ways we were in the world and ways that we defended ourselves and projected a false self and the ways that we just kind of conditionally showed up for people. And we really get to examine that and choose a different way of being. And it doing this shame work will take your Perception of your own spiritual reality to a completely new and different level. It's just breaking through a glass ceiling, and amazing things occur with the uh, relationship to yourself and other people.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know that's that's powerful stuff, and uh, I know one thing for me is that having that experience that uh, my higher power doesn't think I'm flawed. That's kind of a root belief and when I can start working from that basis, it it helps me to release some of this shame and be a more present person in the world. Brent, I want to thank you so much for being my guest today here on Spirit of Recovery and thank you so much for the work that you do in the world and for all the the richness that you've shared with us today and uh, I'm glad that you've been my guest and appreciate all that you've given us. Thanks a lot for being with us today.
4: Well, thank you very much, and I wish everyone blessings and
3: peace.
1: God bless. We'll be back next week with the Spirit of Recovery.
3: Thank you for listening to Spirit of Recovery with Rev. Anna Schaus, Ph.D., and her guests. Join Anna and her guests live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central Time for down-to-earth ideas about keeping spirituality at the heart of your recovery. This program is brought to you in part by Soul Matters Ministry in Olympia, Washington. Committed to bringing light to the soul online at soulmatters-spiritworks.org.
0: The Voice of an Awakening World. Inspiration only takes a moment. As Reverend Felicia Blanco Cerce points out in her book, Do Greater Things, there is the potential for joy, wholeness, and expansiveness designed into every moment And the miracle is when we recognize the constant presence of these qualities all around us. Once we see what is possible, our lives then begin to change.
3: This meditative moment is brought to you by Unity.
2: Stop feeding your problems by calling them problems. Whether you have issues with weight, finances, relationships, or any other area of your life, your perception that you have a problem is the most significant roadblock to transforming your life. Join renowned author and transformational coach Freeman Michaels, live every Monday at 4 p.m. Central, for his remarkable new show, It's Not a Problem, It's a Pattern. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.
0: Hi, I'm Liz Winter and I have been a medium and a spiritual development teacher for over 30 years. On my podcast, All Aboard the Medium Ship, I want to share the message with you that there is a wealth of love and comfort available to you from the spirit world. On my podcast, you can experience this comfort and peace for yourself through gentle guided meditations and helpful messages. Make sure you subscribe and follow so you never miss an episode. Part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network.